What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Stand Up Guys podcast, episode 149. I'm your host, Incomparable Zach Jones, joined as always by the Ninth Wonder, Chocolate Thunder, eating punani by the mile, like it's going out of style, the clam slurping, tuna burping, no matter how tired, no matter how hurt, forget about water, he only drinks squirt, the phenomenal A.J. Singh. If we ever start making money on here, that might affect us. <laughs> I'm not sure, though. Well, I changed it to Punani because I'm like, YouTube's got to be fine with Punani, right? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> it's, it sounds more family-friendly to me, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, this episode, we will be doing our review of the uh, initial episode of Secret Invasion. Uh, but we will save that to to uh, to later on, just in case anyone hasn't seen it yet, because uh, we will be doing spoilers in that review. Uh, but AJ, besides Secret Invasion, have you been watching anything else? Uh, nothing at all, except for this uh, these billionaires stuck in a submarine. That was kind of interesting news to me. <laughs> you know, I, I I I didn't go into the details on that that story, but like. Okay, what exactly happened and how many people were in that thing? Five people were in it. I think one of them was the guy who actually runs it, like who controls the submarine and whose business it is. Um, he was controlling it with a Logitech controller. Like, yeah, one of those crappy ones Jeez. that <laughs> he had to buy because there was nothing else. Um, it was kind of like a, a makeshift, like build-as-you-go kind of submarine like there was no like codes or anything that it was up to there was no like you know previous uh uh outline or anything that they went like i don't know maybe they had like their own versions that they were upgrading but from what i understand it was pretty much made like several years ago and it's been shoddily doing the work of going down to the titanic and like giving people this tourist experience, but uh, people who had went who went down on it previously talked about how shoddy it was and how dangerous it was and how many waivers they had to sign. <laughs> so I mean, the people who got into it knew exactly what they were getting into. I think like three different times it tells you you're gonna you have a good chance of dying. You know, like Jeez. you have to sign that away. So they knew they were getting into. But um, yeah, it was just very there's this whole industry of like adventure tourism for rich people and like a lot of it is like this like where it's very unsafe and somebody's just doing it for the you know for the first time and they're a pioneer of this thing and rich people will pay a ton of money these people pay two hundred fifty thousand dollars each to go down there to check out the titanic Jeez. and he's been doing this for years so he's been making millions off of it Jeez. Yeah, you would think making that much money, he could maybe invest in a better submarine. <laughs> yeah, you'd think he'd improve it over time, but uh, I mean, it, it it sounds like the pictures they had of it towards the end were very similar to the pictures they had of it, you know, while it was going during its heyday. So uh, the the way it was sealed shut, there were like seventeen bolts, like screws, like bolted on, and uh, from the outside. So you couldn't open it from the inside at all. And they would drop this thing off into the ocean and they you would control it to where you wanted it to, you know, go laterally, I guess, or something. But um, they would have to uh, eventually, after a few hours, pull it back up. But uh, they couldn't locate it. And um, the there was a search going on for a few days to look for it. But from what we heard from, from the Navy... They heard the implosion, like, pretty quickly after, like, maybe, I'm not sure how long, but maybe a day or two, like, a few days ago, like, uh, days prior to the end of the search for these people, they had heard an implosion underwater, and uh, that's the most likely scenario as to how these people died, is uh, they went down somewhere around 8,000, uh, was it, like a pressure per square inch or something right and um there was there was hardly any chance they were going to survive in that you know they they had like one little window on their thing you know like there was no way they could survive that pressure so, so what does that mean that imploded it just means like the pressure down there was enough to basically just like crack the hole open no not or? just crack the hole i mean imploded to the point where their bodies like 
they didn't feel any pain. Like it was. Oh, they just like got instant, smashed instant instantly. disintegration. Jeez. Yeah, like uh, the moment anything imploded, they all imploded. Everything. Wow. Yeah. It's a sad story, especially like I saw on Twitter. I don't know if it was the main guy or just another guy on there. Like he convinced his son to go. Nineteen-year-old. Yeah. The the only one I really feel bad for is that nineteen-year-old. You know, like that person didn't like sign up for this. Really, you know, they were probably brought on with their parent, and you know, they had their whole life ahead of them. They they're they're not. Look, we I think all of us have this collective idea that if you're a billionaire, you've done some bad things to people. Right. You know, and I, I think for the most part, that's true. Uh, but the 19 year old, you know, we can't lump them in with their, their father or whatever, you know? So, I mean, that's where I kind of draw the line. Like, Oh, that's messed up for him. But everybody else, I'm totally okay with. <laughs> like you signed up for that. They told you over and over again, you can die. And, you know, you really don't get that rich without screwing over a bunch of people. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's totally true. You know, it, it's what's weird to me, though, is, like, I get that people that get filthy rich, they, they want all these, like, exclusive experiences that nobody else has. Yeah. But at the same time, like, wouldn't you want to be pretty protective of your life? Like, if you're one of the elites that has, like, that much money, if you're part of that 1%, like... Generally, I would think you probably enjoy your life quite a bit. And so it seems silly to me that you would be taking such risks. I mean, it just shows that, like, you know, there's some people who gamble, some people who, like, you know, do other kind of risk-reward behavior. But, I mean, it just shows that even if you have all the money, like, you're still going to play with your life even, you know? Like, there's always that that thrill-seeking that people are going to go for. (sighs) I don't think I would go for that. personally yeah not that kind gambling is enough for me that's uh that's enough thrill seeking right there 20 bucks <laughs> boom that's fine <laughs> do, do you think like if you were like stone cold rich like these guys do you think you would every once in a while still put like 20 dollars on a game just for the fun of it yeah yeah there's there's a fun in in the actual act of gambling itself like it's like ooh, did i make the right decision did i did i see what was gonna come like did i properly predict like what the possible outcomes are (laughs) like you're 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 really just testing yourself you know like uh yeah but whereas with the with this stuff like you're testing the limits of engineering (laughs) Yeah, I listened to an interview with Artie Lang because he used to be like a huge gambler, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how like he it, it would make even like the, you know, lamest of games exciting. Yeah. Because it, like it, it would get him just like so invested in it, you know. Mm-hmm. But man, yeah, I'm just it does make me wonder though, like you talk about this like adventure tourism for rich people, like it makes me wonder like what other stupid things they're doing. <laughs> I mean, like some of them are going to space. Yeah, like they Jeff are. Bezos going to. There's one space. of a, a dining experience in like the outer limits of our atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, that one sounds like it's just death trap too. <laughs> <laughs> and like now there are so many memes on TikTok. Like who even knows what's real? But there are people like, hey, I've, for five hundred thousand dollars, I'll throw you into a volcano. <laughs> 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 It does just seem like so stupid. It is. Um, I watched a couple things. So, so since I got the old Disney Plus again for a Secret Invasion, I, I caught up on season three of The Mandalorian. Okay. Um, and like I had heard like some scuttlebutt from like you know people that watched it you know earlier this year when it was new, like saying they they had problems with it or something, and like. I don't know how it necessarily stacks up to the other seasons of The Mandalorian I watch, but I, I honestly liked it quite a bit. I still had a really good time with it. And it's also like a very good looking show, I think. There's just something about like uh, these sci fi shows where you, you see like a, you know, a spaceship drop down and it's just flying around these like beautiful vistas and stuff. It's just something cool, you know? Yeah, I've heard uh, good really, things about the Star Wars uh, shows. Like most of the Star Wars way. TV shows, uh, I think, have been pretty strong. The Mandalorian's great. Andor was great. Um, <laughs> there's some other ones that are just like kind of so. Like Bo- the Boba Fett one was like so so, but then weirdly enough, like in the middle of it, they like uh, the Mandalorian shows up, and it just becomes like <laughs> almost another season of the Mandalorian, and like that part of it's like good. Um, and then they had a, a Obi-Wan Kenobi show that was just like, okay. Um, 
but yeah, I would say overall, like I think these Star Wars TV shows have been uh, pretty fun and uh, pretty uh, pretty good. Um, on Hulu, I watched a, a limited series called Fleischman is in Trouble, okay. which uh, stars uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Claire Danes, and it, it's basically just uh, like this drama of this couple get it, like, getting divorced, mm-hmm. and um, I mean. It, it was pretty good. It, it kind of like the majority of the show kind of shows you the divorce from like his perspective. Okay. And like you kind of think she's like just like the worst. And she kind of is. But then in a later episode, it flips it and it kind of shows you from her perspective. And you're like, oh, okay, there were some things I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, overall, uh, I thought a, a decent show. And it's just a, like an eight episode limited series, I think. So it's not going to like. Uh, take up too much of your time if you want to give it a give it a go and then also on disney like i had seen this movie b- before i don't know why sometimes i'm just in the the mood for like a uh a cheesy action movie so i watched national treasure 2 <laughs> book of secrets all right <laughs> have you watched these movies i watched the first one i think i mean the thing about these movies is like they're filled top to bottom with like uh, cliches and like uh, very like convenient things. Yeah. But at the same time, like I, I had, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have some fun with it. Like the characters are likable and it's it's cheesy, but it's fun. I think it's funny, like how much thought like they think people put into our history. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it is like a, a a really bizarre like alternate earth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, back then people were like barely surviving. I know, <laughs> but some of them are these secret masons that are putting in these really ridiculous, intricate clues and riddles that nobody could. <laughs> they're like someday somebody's gonna follow. They'll these have clues. the technology to be able to figure out. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not wasting my life putting together these ridiculous clues. Yeah. It's dangerous as hell, too. I know, I know. You know, I, I've I had that same thought while playing like the Uncharted games, mm. where I'm like, who built these rooms? <laughs> <laughs> like this would have taken forever. Yeah. <laughs> Putting in these intricate puzzles, like, how? Like, this is more impressive than building the pyramids. It just seems like somebody who had way too much time on their hands. Like, you know, what if somebody was looking for this stuff, you know, and we we made it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, By some chance. <laughs> it really is a, a, a ridiculous thought. And just, like, how they, they like you know, break into like Buckingham Palace and the White House and all this stuff. (laughs) And you're like, (laughs) (laughs) there was a one season of a national treasure, like TV show on Disney plus as well. But like it got canceled after one season. So I'm like, uh, maybe this isn't worth a try. It wasn't, (laughs) if it wasn't good enough for season two, maybe I shouldn't, uh, waste my time on it. Of course, I probably shouldn't have wasted my time watching this movie <laughs> to begin with. I mean, you can't recreate without Nicolas Cage. That's that true. He really is the secret sauce. Yeah. I mean, who who else? He is a hard person to replace, really. Yeah. Maybe, um, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, from Jurassic Park. He has a similar weird energy. Oh, you're talking about the, the old guy? The... Uh, he's also uh, in uh, Thor Ragnarok. Why can I not think of his name? Sam something? No, no. The, um, God. Um, he plays... Oh, God. What is his character's name? Is it the Grandmaster? In- oh, uh, oh my gosh. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. God, why couldn't I think of his name? Like, I don't know if he would work in those movies, but I feel like he does have a very... Uh, you know, kind of odd energy like Nick yeah, Cage. Yeah, I can see that. Although he's got to be getting up there in age. I don't know. Well, then again, Nicolas Cage. I wonder how old Nicolas Cage is. He's got to be in like his 60s, right? He's got to be. He's just pumping out so many movies, trying to cover that debt. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to be paid off with the IRS by now, I mean, doesn't he's he? He's got to be. I mean, he's made so many movies. <laughs> <laughs> The thing with Nicolas Cage is like maybe that's a good strategy. Like, like he's like, 
they say quality over quantity, but he like maybe there's something to be said for quantity. Like he, <laughs> he makes so much stuff that a few of them are bound to be genius. I mean, he gets paid enough, right? Like if you just make enough movies at like five million dollars per or whatever, even like five million might be lowballing for Nick Cage, but yeah, I don't know what like his price is, but he's so he's so inconsistent quality wise you know <laughs> yeah. i mean he always like goes for it but sometimes it's terrible and sometimes it's genius it's all you can ask <laughs> <laughs> but he gets consistent work how much money uh slight spoilers for the flash but how much money do you think he got made for his like terrible cgi cameo in oh, the flash? Uh, 250,000. <laughs> god I, I would hope they didn't have to pay that much. <laughs> it's nick cage needs money <laughs> they certainly didn't spend that much on the cg no. <laughs> like, now that we got his face uh <laughs> try to make it look as real as possible for 50 bucks <laughs> um well, before we get into the uh, the uh, Secret Invasion review, I did have a few funny stories. Well, one of them's funny and the other one's a little disturbing, but uh, uh, we'll see here. So I got some story time here. Okay, for, so this first one. Naked creep busted having passionate sex with a tree in a busy UK park. By busted, do you mean uh, he was busted or he did bust? I think they mean he was busted by the police. But who knows? Um, oh, then they, right off the bat, they're, they're busting out a pun. He branched out from the bedroom. A naked creep was arrested for allegedly kissing, caressing, and having passionate sex with a tree at a popular uh, public park in England. Oh, I mean, he was making love in this case, it yeah. sounds like. Yeah. This is creep? Like, this sounds like a, a lover who was taking care of a tree that... Well, some onlooker did take a picture. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, grossing out onlookers and baffling police. Uh, the nature freak was caught on camera, peeling off his clothes and rubbing passionately against the stump of a conifer in Wiltshire, Queen Elizabeth's Gardens on Tuesday afternoon. Cops and witnesses told uh, Wales Online, uh, quote, I was just walking in the park with one of my mates and we saw a man hugging a tree and thought it was interesting. We walked closer and as we did, we saw his trousers were down, said a witness who shot footage of the incident. I started recording, and he just started taking off his clothes and kissing the tree. After I stopped recording, the police turned up and started following the man around, then arrested him. Roughly 25 people were cooling off in the green space during the unidentified uh, 40-somethings bizarre attempt to become one with Mother Nature, prompting calls to the, the cops. Uh, police said the leaf-loving perv was busted on suspicion of an indecent exposure. The twisted nature uh, lover was captured on camera taking off his clothes. I wish I had this kind of confidence. <laughs> like this guy did this tree, in front of tree twenty. Molesting yeah, like he he said, "Oh, I'm just gonna molest this tree in front of 25 people," <laughs> and I don't think it's a big deal. I don't care like what the consequences are. I mean, he's just a. Uh, you know, tr tree hugging. This is leads to tree kissing. Leads to this. I mean, yeah, it uh, definitely led to something. <laughs> um, officers were called to Queen Elizabeth Garden shortly after 4.30 p.m. following several reports from members of the public regarding a naked man. A spokesman for the Wiltshire police said he was taken uh, to custody and has been released on bail while inquiries, inquiries are ongoing. The odd outdoor incident came the same day an award-winning Penn State professor was charged with allegedly committing sexual acts with his dog on a state forest trail. Themis Matsukis, uh, 64, was allegedly caught in footage naked from the waist down performing the vile sex acts on his collie near bathrooms at Ro Rothrock State Forest in Pennsylvania. Well, now I'm going to have to dig up that story <laughs> for, for the future. This guy was a professor? No, no. It's saying that on the same day, um, there, another story broke, which I don't have the details of, of, an, uh, of a Penn State professor that... Uh, that, they got caught having sex with his dog. Yeah, I mean, so uh, people were just like going, uh, going at it with trees, dogs. You got to watch yourself. But yeah, I, <laughs> this picture is ridiculous. Everybody uh, should look up this story online <laughs> because this photo is just—it's something. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting approach. You not get splinter dick like that's true. Splinters all over your junk. 
You think he was safe about it? You think he put on a condom first? That wouldn't protect you. <laughs> <laughs> Just shredded up condom. <laughs> I'm guessing the stump has a hole in it. <laughs> or it does now. <laughs> Man, I mean, just the way uh, people's minds work is amazing. Yeah. I mean, I su- I assume this guy probably has mental problems, but maybe it's just like you said. Maybe he's just really confident, and he- he's like, nobody will care. Yeah. I mean, it just makes you wonder what this guy's gotten away with in the past. <laughs> <laughs> like, what social awkward... Like, you know, stuff did he get away with where people were just, like, too afraid to say anything or whatever. <laughs> There's just all these stumps filled with yeah. Jews all over the place. It's like, I got away with so many. <laughs> you like, don't even know. <laughs> just fairy. <laughs> uh, Good Lord. Um, and then I have another story that involves some sex, but this one's a, a bit more disturbing. Actually, Lester uh, showed me this uh uh, article. Uh, so this article has a, a little four-letter word in it that starts with an R that YouTube doesn't like. So I'm just going to say assault, and you can uh, fill in the blank. Uh, judge labels assault of a Melbourne intruder cruel and barbaric. Uh, the assault of a man who broke into a Melbourne home has been described by a judge as cruel and barbaric. The victim, Shane Cox, had broken into a unit in Melton in Melbourne Melbourne's West uh, in March of 2021, armed with a knife and wearing a mask. He had asked for money and drugs and was allegedly linked to others who had gone to the house to stand over a resident. Cox, 36, was overpowered by Clay Holland, who was a guest at the home. Holland had asked him to leave and called police, but Mr. Cox was allegedly unwilling to comply. Cox was beaten with a baseball bat and was incapacitated on the floor, where Holland then assaulted him. Uh, Justice Christopher Beale described the incident as degrading and humiliating during a pre-sentence hearing on Tuesday. Cox died at the scene. A jury convicted Holland of uh, one charge of assault, but he was not found guilty of manslaughter. Alex Patton, for Holland, said he couldn't sensibly take issue uh, with that description, but suggested that a distinction should be drawn between someone who sets out to commit a assault and one that was entirely responsive to the circumstances. He said the judge had to consider Holland's cognitive abilities, intellectual disabilities, and his compromised mental health, which led to longstanding issues with irritability and impulsivity. But Justice Beale doubled down. Words like cruel and barbaric are apt, he said in the Supreme Court. Uh, Patton argued the crime was at the lower end of the spectrum and said Holland had done everything he was able to at the time to resolve the issue of Mr. Cox being in the home, uh, including calling the police and asking Mr. Cox to leave. Uh, It was in the context of compromised reasoning and problem-solving skills that his client had lashed out, he said. The court heard Holland had expressed some sympathy for what Mr. Cox went through and what his family had been put through, but Justice Beale noticed there was no remorse. Cox's sister and partner both described losing a man who had been their protector. Holland will be sentenced at a later date. I mean, this story is so weird because, like, I mean, obviously, like, this guy breaks in with a knife, you know, maybe going to do something horrible but he gets beaten with a baseball bat and then this guy like you know does what he does to him to death yeah um boy oh boy (laughs) like Uh, it's just two crazy people ran into each other it feels like uh one was maybe a little crazier than the other (laughs) yeah it does sound like maybe this guy um was had like developmental disabilities or yeah. something they they just say like mental problems they don't really go into everything but good lordy i i guess crime really doesn't pay yeah i mean uh it's it's quite a leap to go from like we told him to leave so we raped him to death <laughs> like that's i don't know you can't really make that argument either so it just sounds like two criminals ran into each other. <laughs> uh, I, I'm glad he got caught. <laughs> you know, I was—I remember something my parents always told me as a kid, and now, like, a part of me is like, is it? They used to say that, like, if you like shoot or kill somebody in your home, like you're within the bounds of the law. Like if it's an intruder, because they actually like entered your home. Yeah. And like, 
I, I, I don't. I don't know if that's true. I mean, obviously, this case is a little bit more yeah. disturbing. But like, if if he would have just stopped at beating him to death with the baseball bat, or or if he would have just like shot him, like would he be in the clear? Like, right? Could, would it just be a case of self defense? Well, this guy broke into my house with a knife. Self defense. He's, he's yeah. dead. That's probably true. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's way more cut and dry. Like, you could at least make the defense argument, but. I mean, there's no defense for this. <laughs> I mean, it could be like a psychological defense. Right. I mean, that's probably what they're going to go for ultimately when they like go to sentence him or whatever. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. That's rough. <laughs> but yeah, I just, what a crazy, <coughs> crazy headline. That is nuts. <laughs> I mean, that guy was going to bang somebody at some point. Like, he was going to do something like that. I don't if, know if, if I mean, be legal. If, if he had that violence, like, in him yeah you imagine at some point it was he was probably going to do it to somebody yeah so maybe in that way this is like the best uh, circumstance for it to happen i don't know yeah i mean you know you hate to to put it this way but you know at least a criminal dealt with another criminal (laughs) (laughs) i guess so um but now this guy's gonna go to prison and who knows he might do it even more yeah that's true too it's no holes barred there (laughs) (laughs) no holes barred (laughs) (laughs) well all right should we get into our review this week yeah let's do it all right guys uh, Zach Jones here alongside star of the Disney Sus original series, <laughs> Secret Engagement, where he plays Dick Fury, a.k.a. the, AKA the one-eyed purple Peter Eater. That is an awesome name, <laughs> Dick Fury. <laughs> Once again, that's on Disney Sus. You'll suspect you ordered the wrong streaming service. Uh, enough of that nonsense. Um... So, um, uh, this is going to be mostly spoilers as we go through the show, uh, the, uh, the episode, but, uh, what would just, uh, it's always hard to like gauge a series just from like one episode, but spoiler free, like what, what, what did you think of this uh, first episode? I thought it was, a. It laid out everything we needed to know. Like, I thought it was good in, uh, the exposition dump, you know, we, we, I think it's a f- fairly compelling storyline, you know, like uh we don't know how deep it goes yet and we don't know, you know, the expan- like basically the expanse of it all, but uh we've got some idea as to what's going on. We know that there's a, uh, you know, these scrolls that are uh you know, shape-shifting and they're using that to uh to make a headway into the US. Uh we, you know, we're figuring out how how far that extends and all, but uh it it's it's interesting seeing like how there's personal connections in it. I do think the personal connection is a little bit um convenient. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um you know, I also had this convenience in all these superhero movies. Like I also forgot to mention in Spider-Man uh across the uh, Spider-Verse. Okay. Slight spoilers alert if you haven't seen Spider-Man yet. But yeah, go ahead. This is, but, I mean, we're going to get into spoilers here in a second like, anyway. Indian Spider-Man, he, he ends up saving his girlfriend in the middle of Mumbatan. Like, oh, right. Where there's like, you know, an attack happening. And he saves her father too, like which I thought was very convenient. Like that, that's got to be a city of 20 million, right? More or less. <laughs> right. So uh, and in this case, like... The rebels, like they're very familiar with the heroes, and uh, you know, it just seems like such a small world once again in Marvel. Like uh, people just keep running into each other. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That, that kind of uh, those kind of conveniences do happen a lot. In, yeah. In, I mean, fiction in general, but definitely across the superhero uh, spectrum. Um, let's run down the cast real quick. Uh, so we got S- Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury, uh, Ben Mendelsohn as Talos. Kobe Smulders as Maria Hill, Kingsley Ben Adir as Gravik, uh, Amelia Clark as a character we'll we'll get into uh, in a bit, uh, Olivia Coleman as Sonia Fallsworth, uh, Don Cheadle as James Rhodey Rhodes, Martin Freeman as Everett K. Ross, and those are all the ma- uh, the the main players. Okay, so let me go to my notes here. 
All right, so we're going to break down the whole episode here. Um, so we open the show in present-day Moscow. Uh, Agent um, – now, okay, right off the bat, um, did, did you – because anyone um, – I immediately thought that uh, Agent Ross here was a scroll. Yeah. Just because sim- from the simple fact that if you've seen Wakanda Forever – like at the end of that show, he's kind of like wanted by the U.S. government, yeah. and the Wakandans like break him out of like a, a police convoy or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, wouldn't he be like in Wakanda, like being right. protected by them? So like immediately, just because of knowing that, I'm like, okay, this this is a scroll. Um, so Agent Ross uh, meets with uh, this Agent Prescott in a room with a conspiracy board. <laughs> this is a cl- cliche that's in so many movies, but how many conspiracy theorists actually have like the cork board and all the strings <laughs> and all the newspaper articles and all that kind With of stuff? With all the software available today, there's, I mean, there's too much. You, no, you don't need that anymore. Yeah, is it, nobody's digitizing their, uh, <laughs> yeah. their conspiracies. I mean, you'd think Chat GPT would be like their number one, you know, weapon against all this conspiracy, like you know, figuring right. it all out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought that. But I mean, it is what it is. Uh, so Prescott says that there was five terrorist attacks in the past year, um, all claimed by different groups. Uh, so his theory is he thinks someone is architecting a world war, basically doing all these like false flag operations to get different countries mad at each other. And he believes that it's the work of scrolls. Um, Ross says that the scrolls are our allies, and they only contact people through Nick Fury, who is currently currently um, on like the uh, what they call saber in this show, which I believe in the comics they call sword, which yeah. is like the big like. Um, space station that kind of monitors alien activity. Yeah, there's a there's shield and there's sword, and shield is like the on planet like defensive kind of unit, and I guess sword is supposed to be like the more space bound offensive unit. I'm not I sure. guess so. I mean that's uh, kind of what you think when you know sword yeah. sword and shield like the sword would be the more yeah. offensive one. Yeah. yeah. So. Prescott gives Ross this device containing evidence of a big upcoming attack. Um, He says, now I thought this was a little bit weird because like he says he doesn't claim um, like the agency he works for, um, but he trusts Ross. And then Ross, I forget what his exact line is, but he, he basically claims that the evidence will go where it belongs. And I don't know what tips Prescott off here, but Prescott then like immediately attacks him. Yeah. So do you know, like, like, because he's like, oh, I trust you. And then he, like, immediately, like, uh, ends up attacking him. So I was a little confused. I mean, he just gave him, like, a shady answer. He was like, I'll show this to Fury. But, like, you know, it just seemed like that was such a, like, you don't know where Fury is, do you? Like, have you have contact with him? Like, it just seems like Fury's been avoiding everybody, you know? Like, it just seemed like such a wishy-washy, like, oh, I'll, I'll take this for now and show it to Fury. That seemed like such so that a suspicious... Him off. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, they get in this uh, short scuffle where they end up on the floor uh, rolling around, and then eventually Ross shoots Prescott uh, through the chest and kills him. Uh, so Ross leaves, and we see that he's being followed by some sort of mysterious figure. Um, he calls Maria Hill for an extract, and she's like, oh, you're so many blocks, like six blocks away from me, so you got to run. So Ross, he runs, and the, the guy following him uh, is starts to chase him, and the guy has like a Russian accent, so we think, oh, maybe this is, you know, they're in Russia, so we're like, okay, who's this guy? Uh, so eventually, like, <laughs> I, I don't know if Ross thought he could actually, like, live through this jump or whatever but he like ends up jumping off of this building that that he was chased onto and and just like dying yeah (laughs) um uh right in front of maria hill um so his pursuer shows up and like maria hill like points her gun at it but uh that ends up being talos who uh was of course originally uh revealed in the uh captain marvel uh movie he's a like a scroll that's been working with uh fury Anyway, Talos was this Russian guy, uh, you know, in disguise. And then Ross, once he dies, turns into a scroll to nobody's surprise. Um, okay, so now we move over to Nick Fury. 
um, he apparently got the news, so now he's getting dropped off on Earth by like a spaceship, and he's grilled, uh, greeted by Maria Hill. Now he makes they make a point of like him saying like his leg hurts, mm. and I was wondering was that set up somewhere or are they just trying to like you know because I feel like it happens a few times during this episode where it's like oh you know uh, Nick Fury is getting kind of old and kind of slow is is that just kind of enforce that in our minds that, oh nick fury maybe he's getting a little too old to do this properly i have no idea where they're going with that right now like it, i i could see them like completely changing his leg out for like a robotic leg <laughs> i don't i don't know <laughs> that's true stranger <laughs> things have happened yeah. um so uh maria hill takes fury to this like safe house he goes upstairs and he's greeted by talos uh talos has a uh, I believe he called it like a sky flower that either he planted or his wife had planted. Uh, uh, we find out that his wife, Soren, uh, uh, somehow died. Um, and and Talos mentions that that flower, that scroll flower has, you know, adapted to the earth, earth soil. So mm. very much like a whole like symbolic thing of like, can the scrolls adapt to yeah. this earth, you know? <laughs> a little heavy handed. but The shape-shifting people who can take on the memories <laughs> of the people they shape-shifting. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, um, Talos mentions, now this also happens a few times this episode and I, I'm like, I don't know if this has ever really been... I mean, maybe they're going to explain it in this show, but Talos says Fury has been very different since the blip happened. And later on, I think Maria Hill also says it. And it's like, has he been, though? I mean, he he does leave and goes to the Saber platform. But other than that, is has he done anything out of the ordinary? We haven't seen enough of him to even have an idea of this happening. Like, th- this is just what they're saying. And from what Maria Hill's saying, it sounds like he's just not all there like he used to be. Like, she's like, you used to be able to think three steps ahead, and now you're, like, you know, falling behind and this and that. And it's like, we just know that from what they're telling us. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I was like, I don't think that was set up anywhere else. So, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe during the course of the show, they'll they'll go into that um, a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so Talos says that he was kicked off. Um, I guess there's a, a council of, of scrolls that he was on, and they say that he was kicked off that uh, uh, council, and another scroll named Gravik um, took over. Um, now... I don't know if I totally understand like the plight of the scrolls and like what their ultimate goal is. Cause it seems like, are they saying that, cause they've supposedly been on earth since the nineties mm-hmm. and like, they want to get like integrated into society and like, but what has fury done for them? They like, cause most of the populace doesn't even know about them. Right. Yeah. I mean, so from what, I, what I've seen in the show is that they were promised their own world to you know take over you know get acclimated to and uh in that time they haven't really like fury hasn't taken them to a new world or anything like that like they haven't really found anything and uh it sounds like in the last five years he's really dropped the ball and hasn't really had much contact with them at all so from what i'm from what i'm gathering it sounds like they're frustrated and they're just making their own moves now. Like, okay, well, if nobody's going to give us a place to stay, then we'll we'll make this our own place. So they're actually almost looking for, like, their own country, like their own independent, sovereign yeah. country. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think even, like, world-wise, like, I think they're looking for a world to inhabit of their own. Oh, so they want, like, a total planet yeah. of their own. I mean, was that something, like, Fury could even really promise them? <laughs> Like, oh, I guess you can go live on the moon if you can terraform. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, just from what I'm understanding about Talos at the beginning of this, it sounded like that's what the humans were supposed to help them get, like a new world to inhabit. Yeah, inhabit. But yeah, Talos does mention that um, Gravik took Fury's abandonment much harder, meaning like him abandoning Earth and going up into space, you know. Yeah. Um he mentions that Gravik preys on the anger of young displaced scrolls. Um, we find out um, uh, that scrolls are apparently immune to radioactivity, uh, and a Russia Russia has like a bunch of abandoned nuclear uh, power plants. So, so they figure that Gravik is hiding in one of them, but yeah. they don't know exactly where. 
Um, so the file they got from Prescott um, contains plans for a dirty bomb. Um, apparently there's this group called AAR, Americans Against Russia, and they are a skull front um, for a terrorist attack. So it seems like um, the Gravik's big plan is to try to start a war between the U.S. and Russia by doing like a false flag attack that makes it look like America's attacking Russia mm-hmm. with, a, with a dirty bomb, basically. Um, so we get a scene with James Rhodes. Uh, he's with the president of the United States. He tells the president that Fury is back on Earth and that they have intercepted an encrypted message between Fury and Maria Hill uh, that they haven't uh, decrypted yet. Uh, but since they can't get a hold of either of them, they can uh, consider them to be um, AWOL. I don't know what exactly to, to, to make of this because, you know, Saber's certainly like a like U.S. government type thing, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. They're, they're saying that since Fury made it back to Earth, he's broken up contact and gone rogue. Is that what they're saying? And like... I don't know why Fury would necessarily do that because I would think he would want like the resources of Shield or you know the U.S. government on his side. I, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. Either. I don't know if that totally makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so Fury uh, says he's going to go for a walk. Um, so he goes for a walk, and I guess it's worth mentioning that he sees various people because this will kind of come back into play later like he sees this lady on a park bench um he sees um this little girl playing with a ball and then um right after that he's he's black bagged by these men and thrown into a van uh so when he's uh, unbagged uh we find out the furious captors work for a lady named sonia uh, a british agent um and uh she turns around to give him a drink and he instantly puts like a, a, a small camera on like this owl statue uh, to spy on her. Uh, he asks Son- Sonia what she knows about. Um, oh, I forgot to set this up because uh, during that scene with Maria Hill, Talos and Nick Fury, they did mention something about um, this heist uh, that they thought Gravik was behind where like some, uh, possible weapons or, I don't know, bomb components maybe were stolen. Mm. Um, but it was a very quick scene, but it, it comes back right here. Um, so Fury asked Sonia if she knows about a heist of a black market storage facility in Kazakhstan. Sonia claims she doesn't know, uh, but Fury says he knows that she's lying and that she knows something about it. Um, Fury suggests that they work together uh, but Sonya says that he's lost his edge. So this is another thing where yeah. she's like, "Oh, Fury, you're getting too old in the tooth. You don't. <laughs> if, if it was your young you, you would have already um, known what was stolen in Kazakhstan." Like, it makes it sound like Fury is like this aging basketball player that everybody sees like <laughs> slowly falling apart, <laughs> but we never saw it. So <laughs> I don't know. it really does. You know, something that I guess take some of the steam out of this whole series um, is we know for a fact just from the trailers that Fury is going to be in the Marvels movie. So, you know, it doesn't seem like he's going to die unless we find out for some reason he does die, but like Talos becomes him to keep his like thing going, which I guess is a possibility, but... um, Man, you you would think eventually, though, like Nick Fury, you know, Sam Jackson, like, they're going to have to write him out of the MCU eventually. Yeah, he's like 70-something. Right. Um, So, but who knows? Um, So now we move. um, A man walks up to um, a gate uh, looking like a human, and he's greeted by, uh, well, there's two guards on the opposite side. And then Amelia Clark shows up. So the scroll's name is Beto. And uh, Amelia Clark's like, I want to see your true form. So he shapeshifts and he is indeed a scroll. And she says, Welcome to New Scrollos, which isn't a very original yeah, name. Yeah, very lame. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. Um, so this is a facility somewhere outside of Moscow. We don't, I think maybe there was a thing on screen that said how many miles or whatever, but somewhere on the outskirts of, of Moscow. Um, so Amelia says, 
uh, the, so they go to this compound. It turns out to be Gravik's compound. This is where he's hiding. Uh, Amelia Clark's character says, warriors get to leave the compound. So he's, uh, she's like, you get to choose. You can be a warrior for the cause, or you can just be like a regular person. But if you're a regular person, like you're trapped here, basically. You got to stay in the, the compound. If you uh, decide to be a warrior, you can go outside of the compound. Uh, so we find out that the scrolls have machines that allow them to take the memories of any humans they catch so that they can blend in better. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just an amazing tool. Like, you could conquer the world so easily. With <laughs> it really is, but at the same time, I get why they did it, because, like, um, it, well, we, we, we talked about this when we talked about Spider-Man, the whole thing of, like, um, Spider-Man 2099, like, taking over himself yeah. and the other thing. It's like, even though he looks exactly like his other self, there's going to be enough difference in that universe that eventually other yeah. people would figure it out, you know? True. And so it, it, it's maybe convenient, but they kind of do need something like that to, to cover their tracks and make it make sense. Yeah. Um, so Fury's hidden camera in the owl um, uh, ends up giving him a lead to follow. Um I, I believe, like Sonya says, like there's a guy who the, is a suspected bomb maker, but he's also like a art restorer, and so uh, they they uh, know to go after this guy. But they they also talk about how this is going to require them to take out some MI6 agents, which makes Talos a little bit uncomfortable. Um, so Gravik has this guy that works for him that's I guess like his lieutenant, and um, he tells him that Fury is in town. Um, and then he also ends up giving Amelia Clark's character some cash. Um, she's uh, supposed to go and purchase two packages um, um, from this guy and get them to a safe house. Um, and that guy being the, uh, the Russian bomb maker. Uh, so Talos, uh, Amelia Clark first like goes to the area and she kind of looks at this car and I don't know if she can make out that there's a MI6 agent there or whatever yeah. but she kind of spots this guy and then she leaves and then turns out this guy in the car is an mi6 member but talos has taken over like his partner mm -hmm. so talos ends up like uh i guess i think knocking out this guy out um um okay so now um fury and talos are are heading into the building that this bomb maker's in Amelia Clark's character has already gone in and purchased the bomb parts from him and left. And Maria Hill happens to see her and and decides she looks suspicious. So Maria Hill starts following yeah. Amelia Clark's character, which again is kind of convenient. But I guess you you go like, oh, Maria Hill's just a good spy, so yeah. she she figured it out or whatever. Um, so Talos and Fury start interrogating uh, this guy. And he turns out to be a scroll, and he knows who Talos is. So him and Talos, they get in this uh, fight, and, uh, you know, the bad guy's kind of getting the upper hand. So Fury's, like, got his, gu his gun out, but Talos is like, no, don't, don't do it. I got this. Uh, but eventually that guy gets the upper hand to the point where Fury does end up just, like, shooting and mm -hmm. killing him. Um, and Talos is basically, uh, he, he's upset that Fury killed him, you know, took out a, a, a scroll. Yeah. He said, you know, there was no call for that. You didn't have to kill him. Uh, so now Hill is following Amelia Clark, um, who, uh, ends up like, um, she notices that Maria Hill's following her. So she gets the drop on her and, and runs off. Now I thought this was a little bit convenient because Talos is just right there. Yeah. Immediately. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I I mean, okay, so we can maybe assume that like um Hill has like a tracker on her so that Fury and that Talos knows where she is. Yeah. But I just thought that was a little quick and a little uh convenient. Well, I mean, the scrolls, do they have like they have superhuman powers? Do they have extra strength or anything? I think they do actually. Okay. Yeah, I think they do. I think they are stronger than humans. Um, so yeah, Talos immediately shows up and he begins to pursue pursue uh, Amelia Clark, uh, her character. Now, one thing I, I forgot to set up is that uh, earlier when Talos and Fury were first talking and he mentioned that his wife had died, he mentioned that his daughter, uh, Gaia, was upset 
and kind of um, like left or whatever. And she was also angry that Fury had abandoned the planet and all that yeah. kind of stuff too. Uh, well, it turns out uh, that Amelia Clark's character is Gaia, uh, Talos's daughter. So Talos tells Gaia uh, that her mother was killed by the people that Gaia works for. So presumably, you know, Gravik and his men. Uh, and he asks her to give him uh, the bomb. Uh, Gaia refuses and uh, she leaves. And then we see her kind of go on this st- street corner and break down about uh, her mother dying because she, um, apparently she didn't. That's when she found out was when Talos uh, told her. Um, okay, so Fury goes into this uh, bar um, and I forget, he has a conversation with like this, this like, old guy at the bar and everyone in the bar seems to be like mad at him which again i wasn't sure exactly what the story was there i think it was just a russian bar like you know since he's like an american operative they were like this guy oh american (laughs) swine so like he bought everybody drinks to get on their good side okay um uh so uh fury has a drink with maria hill uh hill kind of questions fury's motives for leaving earth and she also says that he hasn't been the same since uh, the blip happened, which, again, it's one of these <laughs> things where, like, it's, yeah. It's just, he hasn't been the same. Like, he just hasn't been the same. changed about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll take your word for it. We haven't seen evidence yet, but okay. Wait till they actually have to change actors. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Something changed about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess maybe they're trying to set up, maybe they're p- trying to plant doubt in our mind that this fury is a scroll. Like, yeah. oh, you've been different. Like, maybe he is different. Maybe he's a scroll. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why they're doing it. Um, my guess is, though, I think it is legit Fury. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're confused by Talos pretending to be Fury this whole time. And they're like, oh, you seem stupider than usual. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's true. I forgot. Because that, that's something that was revealed, I believe, in like, uh, maybe Spider-Man Far From Home is yeah. that on Earth, like Talos has been impersonating Fury. Um, okay. Uh, so Gaia delivers the bomb uh, to Gravik's lieutenant, um, and he says that it, uh, the bombs will serve as bait. Um, then we see a woman get into a taxi. Uh, when it parks, uh, the woman is revealed to be Gaia because, you know, she's also the scroll. So, uh, and the driver was Talos. So, like, they're really playing it safe, you know, mm. uh, pretending to be people until they're in the clear. Um, so, Gaia reveals that there are three bombs in total. And uh, Gravik knows that Talos will try to interfere. So, now, Gaia is seemingly helping Talos. She says that there are three, going to be three couriers uh, tomorrow, including herself, and that she's going to mark the, the bags with bombs in them with an infrared spray um, so that they can see them. Uh, so, we cut to the next day. The team spots Gaia with uh, two bags uh, that are marked with the spray. But then um, she kind of disappears. At the, they, they miss her, like, passing off the bags to other people. Uh, but then they do end up spotting the two bags uh, being uh, uh, with two different men. But didn't she, in the scene before, didn't she say there was going to be three? Yeah, that's so too. So that kind of confused me a little bit. Uh, but anyway, the two men are going in a different direction. So Talos follows one. Maria Hill follows the other. And Fury's just kind of on the lookout, uh, looking over the whole scene. Uh, Fury ends up seeing the little girl with the ball that he had seen earlier in the show. He follows her. Um, she ends up changing into the the guy in the at the bar that was like giving Fury some uh, some stuff, or like you know, seemingly was mad at Fury, and then he also turns into the woman Fury saw on the park bench earlier, and then uh, finally turns into Gravik. Now I got a question. Then <laughs> does that mean that all those people that Fury saw? either were Gravik or were scrolls reporting to Gravik? Because how else would he know to turn into those specific people that Fury had already seen? Yeah, I, th- I thought they were all Gravik. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that would be really weird of yeah. him to do, though, right? Yeah, but he's really emotionally hurt by Fury not being there for five years. <laughs> Gravik's like, I'm going to turn in Instead of taking Fury on head on, I'm going to turn into a bunch of different people and spy on him, including a little girl with a ball just to stand up. I don't know. Uh, I mean, 
I mean, but that's the only way he would know to turn into those people, yeah. right? Is he, if either they were him before or his agents. Like he knew that they were there. Right. It, it just, I don't know, seems, seemed very weird to me in retrospect. Yeah. Um, so Hill and Talos eventually catch up to the guys with backpacks, but the backpacks end up being empty. And uh, Gravik uh, sets off the bombs. Um, so it, there's a bunch of smoke. Uh, Fury is pursuing Gravik. Um, but he ends up losing him in the crowd. And then Hill, uh, Fury catches up to Hill, but Fury ends up actually shooting Hill right in the abdomen. Uh, but it wasn't Fury at all. It was indeed Gravik uh, made up to look like Fury. Um, and then I wrote, Hill seemingly dies and Fury is pulled away. End of episode. Uh, so question, do you think Maria Hill no is actually, I don't either. Not a chance in hell. I mean, she's a minor enough character at this point in the MCU that they could kill her off, but yeah. I don't think they did. Now, whether she was a scroll in this scene or just like injured in next episode, they'll be like, oh, you really took one yeah. for the team there, Maria. Uh, I don't know, but uh, I don't think she's dead. I don't think she's dead. Yeah, I think she'll be back. Because honestly, just how we talked about like eventually Sam Jackson's you know, getting older and they're going to have to write the, like, they're still going to need like that kind of a character. Yeah. And I think it would make sense if Maria Hill was eventually like the, the lead spy or whatever, right. you know, the person that has that role. Yeah. Um, unless Colby Smolders is just like, Oh, I've been doing this forever and I'm tired of it already. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't think so, but who knows? Yeah. She's making that Marvel money. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I think eventually that, um, you know, Amelia Clark's character, Gaia, will probably uh, eventually end the series as, like, a good guy. Yeah. But seemingly here, like, she did dupe them. And uh, it seems like she's still working for the bad guy. So what do you think about her uh, character? And what, where yeah, her- we're just waiting for the longer arc where she does redeem herself. But right now, she's just a troubled character who's lost somebody close to her and is just reacting... Yeah, because I mean, you you get the reaction of her finding out her mom's dead, and you got to imagine that even if maybe she didn't believe Talos, eventually she's gonna find the evidence that oh yeah, Gravik did kill my mom. Yeah. So I can't imagine her like staying a bad guy at all. Right. right yeah. Um. But yeah, so this f- uh, f- first episode I think was just fine. It you know, but I I do wonder like if this if this series can turn like from fine to great. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to show a lot more, like, I got to see a lot more going on than just, you know, Nick Fury and a couple of agents looking into this stuff, like, this should be big, like, this whole secret invasion thing, you know, like, there should be a lot of moving parts, and, uh, I I don't know, I, I expect to see some other people, you know, be be more prominent in this, this show. Yeah, I was just thinking, like, what, how could they end this show to do something groundbreaking but like even if they did kill fury and then like talos just became him permanently even that's not like a big thing because like you said like talos has been impersonating him on earth for the last five years anyway Mm -hmm. so like i don't even know if that's a big idea and it's like we would still be having sam jackson as as fury and and seeming exactly the same (laughs) even if like the story is always not the same you know Mm. Uh, i don't know or I, I guess they could do the thing where we find out that, oh, this Nick Fury was a scroll and the real Nick Fury's been locked up somewhere. But I don't even know if that's very interesting. Yeah, then you'd have, like, how many scrolls are pretending to be Nick Fury? You've already got Talos. Now you've got this graphic guy who's already pretending to be him. <laughs> like, is everybody just pretending to be Fury? Like, who is the real Fury then? I just, uh, you know, the whole scroll thing, like, I guess in a way they're supposed to be, like, analogs for... <sighs> Almost like refugees, I guess. But I'm like, if the populace as a whole doesn't really know about scrolls, how can they really gain any ground? So maybe that's what's going to happen at the end of the series, is like the whole population will know that scrolls exist. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess that would be something. I mean, just give them a little place. (laughs) That's what it's going to end up being, right? They'll they'll give them some fake... uh, island yeah. in marvel like uh in the comics how the x-men had like genosha or whatever right, right, yeah. <laughs> it, it'll be one of those things right yeah 
Um, so what would you give this particular episode uh, on a scale of 1 to 10? I'm thinking I'll, I'll give it like a 6.5. I think it was solid, solidly like okay. Yeah, I'd give it like a five and a half. Like I, I'm, I'm hoping the best is yet to come. Yeah, I, it wasn't a bad start. It just uh, to me it was kind of you know setting up things, which it has to do, but maybe a little middle of the road. Yeah, I do hope like um, pacing wise, like they finally, because that's something like we talked about with like Miss Marvel and She Hulk is like we would get halfway through the series and we're like. How are they possibly going to wrap this up in a yeah. satisfying way? And it was like eventually found out. Oh, they weren't. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but so I'm I'm hoping the pacing of this show will uh, will be a lot better than those shows. Yeah, same here. But yeah, um, um, let us know in the comments below um, what you thought about this episode, and if you're excited for the remainder of the series. Um, we hope to uh, uh, keep doing these reviews. Although next episode, AJ, will be our 150th episode. All right. And I believe if uh, our schedules can work out and everything, we'll uh, also be reviewing Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which uh, which should be fun. Uh, what do you think? Now, um, have, you've only seen like um, w- one of the Indiana Jones movies, yeah. haven't you? Yeah. Like uh, Temple of Doom? Yeah. So I'll be interested. We we watched the one that we thought was about Indian people. <laughs> it was kind of about Indian people. <laughs> it was a documentary, if I believe. Um, <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to see your perspective on that movie, not having seen all the other ones. Um, but yeah, um, we hope you guys will tune in for that big 150th episode. Um, AJ, are you back on t- uh, Twitter yet? No, they're still <laughs> killing cats on there. <laughs> Man, I'm lucky that never came through my feed. Uh, but anyway, we thank everybody for joining us today. Like I mentioned earlier, please uh, leave comments, uh, thumbs up, uh, subscribe to us both on the YouTube channel and on the uh, podcast and audio form on your podcast service of choice. And uh, if you want, you can come and, and follow me on Twitter at Zach Jones Live, Z-A-C-H-J-O-N-E-S-L-I-V-E. But that is going to do it for all of our shenanigans and poppycock this week. Please, please, please tune in again next week. Bye, guys. Take care.